Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church. Amen, amen. We want to continue today with week two of our series, I Can See Clearly Now. Last week, we recognized that, that when you are enlightened to something, you see it. When you're enlightened to something, you see it. When you understand it, you see it. And so seeing in this context is about perception. If seeing is believing, then perception is seeing. And, and I'm convinced that God does not want you in the dark. I, I, I believe that God wants his children to know his direction for their lives. And so we're going to continue with that today. Uh, as I told you last week, last week, Jesus said in John 10 and 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. How many of you want to follow your shepherd? Amen. Amen. So nearsighted Christianity only allows you to see what's right in front of you. That's what we talked about last week. Nearsighted Christianity. It's where you see every problem that life throws at you, but you cannot see that God is going to bring you through it. How many of you know God is a big picture God? I know God is in the details also, and some people say the devil's in the details, but I know my God is in my details, but God is a big picture God, and sometimes the details don't make sense. Sometimes what you're going through in that moment, it just doesn't make sense, and when the details don't make sense, know that God's still got you. Amen? I was recently watching Inside the NBA on TNT. Uh, it's always entertaining for me to listen to Ernie Johnson and Kenny Smith, Shaquille O'Neal, and Charles Barkley as they go back and forth in between games and during games. Uh, it's especially entertaining when Shaquille O'Neal and Sir Charles go at each other. I don't know how many of you like to watch Inside the NBA, but there was this particular segment that was playing last month and Shaq said that, that he was going to tell them a story about Stevie Wonder that they were not going to believe. Has nothing to do with basketball at all, but Shaq begins to tell this story, and, and Kenny Smith was, was eager for him to tell the story. He said, you, you've got to tell it. Y'all got to listen to this. And so apparently Shaq and, and Stevie live in the same building on Wilshire Boulevard in Los Angeles. And there was this one evening where Shaq um, uh, got out of his car and, and he walks into the lobby, gets in the elevator, and he, he was telling the story of how he's in the elevator and Stevie Wonder walks into the elevator unaccompanied. He's by himself. He pushes the button for the floor that he's supposed to go to and he looks over and he says, what's up, Shaq? How's it going? And then they ride the elevator up Stevie Wonder gets off the elevator and walks down the hallway towards his, his, his building, towards his room where he is staying. Shaq said as soon as he got to his room, he started calling everybody that he knew to tell them that Stevie Wonder can see. Of course, adding to the list of conspiracy theorists that believe that Stevie Wonder is not actually blind. I, I have no idea whether Stevie Wonder can see or not, but, but here's what I know. Eyesight is a remarkable wonder of engineering. It's something that most of us use every day. But we, we fail to recognize how complex it is. These little balls of fluid that are nestled in their eye sockets are extremely remarkable. I mean, I want you to think about it. The, the, the cornea lets light in. And then you have the iris that contracts and adjusts and, and it controls the amount of light that comes in. And then you've got the retina that receives that light like on a projection screen. 
And, and then you have the optic nerve that sends the messages, carries the messages to the brain so that it, those messages can be deciphered so you can actually know and determine what you're looking at. Eyes are a powerful tool. But as great as they are, your eyes have a significant limitation. Your eyes can only see the physical reality. That's it. Your eyes can see the physical reality. You can see people. You can see buildings. You can see cars. You can see trees. You can see animals. If you can touch it, you most likely can see it. But when it comes to spiritual reality, your physical eyes are useless because you cannot see the spiritual realm. Uh, and, and, and because you can't see it, many times we, we disregard it. But I would say that the spiritual realm is even more real than the physical because it will last forever. Listen to 1 John 2 and 17 where he says, And this world is fading away along with everything that people crave. But anyone who does what pleases God will live forever. The physical world that we tend to live for. Think about it. Most of our time is invested in the physical world, in the material things of this world. And the physical world that we tend to live for is temporary, and the spiritual world is eternal. And I fear that we see the eternal as something that is to come, like, like it's not here yet, it, it's coming. We, we see eternal life as something that, that is on the horizon, but the eternal is here now. It, it's just not that it will last forever, it's that it's always been. And so the eternal is here now in this moment. And because we can't see it, sometimes we forget that it exists. And, and we must learn to let the, the spiritual rule the physical, not vice versa. And so many of us, and including myself sometimes, we allow the physical to rule the spiritual. Today, I want us to take a quick look at a man that allowed the, the physical to rule the spiritual. I'm going to be reading out of Numbers chapter 22. Numbers chapter 22. And, and some of you will be familiar with this story. For others in the room, this is going to be the first time you've ever heard this man's name. His name is Balaam. We don't know a lot about Balaam, but we do know that, that Balaam was not a Hebrew, so that means he's a Gentile. And, and he could hear the voice of the Lord. And, and so what this means is that he's, he's one of the first Gentile prophets, one of the first Gentile prophets of God. And he had this reputation for calling things that were not into existence. If, if Balaam said that you were blessed, then you were blessed. If Balaam said that you were cursed, then you were cursed and word travels fast. And, and, and so there were people that wanted to hire him to, to pronounce blessings and cursings. In Numbers chapter 22, there's a king by the name of Balak, and Balak was the king of Moab. And he hears of how Israel has defeated the Amorites. Fearing that his nation is next, that his people are next in line, he sends for Balaam, and he offers him some money to curse Israel. Understand, he is hearing from the same God that Israel is hearing from. And, and he wants Balaam to curse Israel. And so we're going to pick it up in Numbers chapter 22 and verse 4. 
Leave your Bibles open. As usual, we're going to go back and forth here for a few moments. Numbers 22 and verse 4 reads, And Moab said, said to the elders of Midian, This horde will now lick up all that is around us as the ox licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, the son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at the time, sent messengers to Balaam, the son of Beor, at Pethor, which is near the river in the land of the people of Ammon, to call him, saying, now here's what the king says, send this message to him. Behold, a people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the earth, and they are dwelling opposite me. Come now, curse this people for me, since they are too mighty for me. Perhaps I shall be able to defeat them and drive them from the land, for I know that he whom you bless is blessed, and he whom you curse is cursed. So the elders of Moab and the elders of Midian departed with the fees of divination in their hand, and they came to Balaam and gave him Balak's message. And he said to them, Lodge here tonight, and I will bring back word to you as the Lord speaks to me. So the princes of Moab stayed with Balaam, and God came to Balaam and said, Who are these men with you? And Balaam said to God, Balak, the son of Zippor, king of Moab, has sent to me, saying, Behold, a people has come out of Egypt, and it covers the face of the earth. Now come, curse them for me. Perhaps I shall be able to fight against them and drive them out. God said to Balaam, You shall not go with them. You shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. So Balaam rose in the morning and said to the princes of Balak, Go to your own land, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the princes of Moab rose and went to Balak and said, Balaam refuses to come with us. That's it. End of the story, right? I mean, enough has been said. God said to leave Israel alone because they are blessed. And if you are a smart man, if you are wise, you just obey God and you just leave it alone from there. But the king of Moab would not take no for an answer. He's scared of the Israelites. They are great in number. And when he sees what they have already accomplished, he is scared that, that, that his nation is going to be destroyed by them. And so he sends more delegates, more honorable than the first. And, and the message the second time is this, name your price, Balaam. You tell us whatever it will cost, you name your price, we will pay you. We need you to curse Israel. Now, I'm sure that that was appetizing. I'm sure when he says, you know, we're going to hand you a blank check. All you have to do is come stand on the, 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 the ledge of this mountain and, and, and just look over them and just, just curse that horde. That's what we want you to do. We just want you to curse them. And, and this is where Balaam makes his first mistake. Because God had already given him an answer, and the answer was a resounding no. Do not curse these people, for they are blessed. He tells them that he can't go against the word of the Lord. But he says, come on in and spend the night, and I'll pray about it again. And I'll see if God has changed his mind about this situation. So come on in, make yourself at home. And God once again speaks to Balaam and he tells him these words. If, somebody say if. Yeah. If the men call you. You know, if is such a small word with such great consequences. If. 
if. If a frog had wings, he wouldn't bump his butt every time he jumped, right? Such a big word, right? If. If. He said, if the men call you, go with them, but only speak what I tell you to say. If the men call you. Balaam doesn't wait on a phone call. The Bible says that Balaam gets up early, bright and early the next morning. He, he saddles up his donkey and hastily he starts the journey towards Moab. Church, listen to me. Your eagerness will cause you to disobey the will of God if you're not careful. Some of us, we need to learn to sit and wait on God. Because some of the greatest mistakes we make in life that cost us both emotionally and financially and sometimes even spiritually, they happen because we are too eager to listen to God. Sometimes God has already spoken. God has already said what he needs to say. But we are so eager. Philippians 4 and 6 tells us, do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Don't be eager. Go to God in prayer. You see, we must learn to watch and pray, P-R-A-Y, and not see and pray, P-R-E-Y. That's the problem with most of us. When it comes to possessions, when it comes to money, when it comes to promotion, when it comes to relationships, we often prey on them instead of pray on them. For some of us, we see what we want and we pray on it without praying about it. Well, I did pray. I, I, I prayed, Pastor. You don't understand. I did pray and God didn't speak. I have said this many times. I will continue to preach this. If God isn't speaking, maybe he is speaking. If God isn't giving you any direction, maybe God hasn't changed his mind from what he told you last time. I've learned to not make a move until God either confirms or denies. Balaam didn't obey God. He didn't wait for the men to call him. Balaam saw dollar signs and he felt like he had the green light. And that one small word, if, is what messed him up. We're going to pick it up at verse 22. It says, but God's anger was kindled because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as his adversary. Now he was riding on the donkey and his two servants were with him. And the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand. And the donkey turned aside out of the road and went into the field. And Balaam struck the donkey to turn her into the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path between the vineyards with a wall on either side. And when the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she pushed, pushed against the wall and pressed Balaam's foot against the wall. So he struck her again. Then the angel of the Lord went ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no way to turn either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, she lay down under Balaam. And Balaam's anger was kindled, and he struck the donkey with his staff. Have you ever had a pet that had its own mind? We have a pet that has her own mind. Our miniature Dotson, Cece, 
when we leave the house, especially early on when we, we, we first got her, I think we've had her like 13 years, almost 13 years. When we first got Cece, we, um, we would always put her up in the laundry room whenever we would leave. And, and, and because we're good dog owners, we would make sure that she had her bed and she's a very cold natured dog. Uh, and so we would put a blanket in there and she has her food and her water and, and, and there's plenty of space for her to walk around. And so we would put her up in the laundry room whenever we were not at home. And, and what happened is my dog has become wise through the years. I mean, I don't, I, who would doubt that? I mean, look who her owner is. But I mean, um, they say the dogs become a lot like their owners. Um, but she did, she wised up. And she doesn't like to be put up as we call it. I mean, you could actually threaten this dog and we'll put you up and, and she'll go hide. And, and, and so she doesn't like to be put up. And, and, and so now in the mornings, she'll lay in her bed until she hears certain sounds. And when she hears these sounds, then she will go and hide under the bed. One of those sounds being my wife's uh, blow dryer for her hair. When she hears Mandy's blow dryer, that's when she knows she's getting ready to leave soon. I better go hide. And, and, and she will go and, and she usually gets underneath our king size bed and she gets right to the middle of it to where neither one of us can reach her. One on one side, one on the other. And we cannot reach. I have chased that dog out from underneath that bed with a broom before. She rules the roost. That dog is as stubborn as a mule. She wins. Most days, we don't even try to put her up anymore. I've yelled at that dog. I've spanked that dog. I've threatened to end her life. And she just stares at me, just stares at me. But the one thing my dog has never done to me, she has never spoken to me. She's never said one word. Verse 28. Then the Lord opened the mouth of the donkey. Here we go. It's about to get real. The Lord opened the mouth of the donkey and she said to Balaam, that tells you everything you need to know about that donkey. She said. <laughs> she said to Balaam, what have I done to you that you have struck me these three times? And this tells you everything you need to know about the man. And Balaam said to the donkey, wait, wait, what? What does he say to the donkey? Surely he's going to say, how did you do that? Is someone playing a trick on me? What's happening? And Balaam said to the donkey, because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand for then I would kill you. Wait, what? This man is willing to have a conversation with his stubborn mule. Like he talks to him every day. There's a problem with that, right? Because you have made a fool of me, I wish I had a sword in my hand, for then I would kill you. And the donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your donkey? On which you have ridden all your life long to this day. Is it my habit to treat you this way? And Balaam answers, No. And here it is. Here's the spiritual enlightenment. Verse 31. Then the Lord opened the eyes of Balaam. And he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the way with his drawn sword in his hand. And he bowed down and fell on his face. And the angel of the Lord said to him, 
Why have you struck your donkey these three times? Behold, I have come out to oppose you because your way is perverse before me. The donkey saw me and turned aside before me these three times. If she had not turned aside from me, surely just now I would have killed you and let her live. Church, I share this with you today because we've got to learn to see with our spiritual eyes. That even when we can't see it with our physical eyes, and even when it doesn't make sense, we've got to learn to see with our spiritual eyes, especially before we make life-changing decisions. Because God puts the warning signs all around us, and God is trying to save us from making decisions that are going to bring about harm and danger, harm, uh, harm uh, to your marriage and, and danger for your children and, and danger for your spiritual life. He wants to help you, and God is putting out these warning signs, but, but we just ignore them, and, and, and we keep going down the path, and we fail to realize that God loves us so much that he would go to the extremes to put an angel in our path to divert us right or left so that we don't keep going in that direction. If you're single in the room today, you listen to me. Don't date that girl. God has put those questions in your mind for a reason. She is not what God has for you Listen to those warning signs. For you single ladies out there, don't go out with that guy that you're unequally yoked with. God is preparing you, and God is preparing the one that he has for you. And let me just add this. God is not scared of your biological clock. He's not confined by time. I just read it this week, just this past year. Over in Asia, there was a woman, 74 years old, that gave birth to twins. We just need to stop and pray for her right now. <laughs> Listen to me. Don't you make that career change unless you know that you've heard from heaven. If God isn't speaking, maybe God is telling you to stay put. Don't you move until you know, till you have an answer from heaven. Don't you buy that car. Don't you buy that house. Don't you buy that boat. Don't you even buy that purse until you know that it is ordained of God. Don't walk out on that marriage no matter how tough it might be. Learn to be a man and woman of God. You fight, you crawl, you scream, you cry if you have to, but don't give up. Psalm 126 and 5 says that those who sow in tears shall reap with shouts of joy. You just might be watering the fields of matrimony with your tears, and they will bring forth a harvest, but you stick it out until you know that you've heard from heaven. Now, as promised, I told you last week that I'm going to give you this, this formula, if you will, on how the McKinley household makes big decisions in our lives. And I think that if, if, if you can glean from this, that this is going to change not only your 2020, it's going to change the rest of your life. Because this has been uh, uh, the way that I have been living my life, I can honestly say since I was about 15 years old when I started trusting God with my finances. 
And so today I want to I begin this. I'm not going to give you the whole story today. So just understand there's, there, it's going to be continued, okay? You'll have to come back next week because we're going to have a little cliffhanger here in just a moment, okay? About five years ago, Mandy and I, we walked into a model home in Country Way and we started weighing out our options to build another house. In, in our, our marriage, Mandy and I, we've, we've owned three houses. We've, we've rented many houses being in ministry, but we've owned three houses. And the one that we were living in at the time was, was the first house that we had actually built, that we did all the pickouts and, and, and we built that house. But we went to a, a model home and, you know, you walk in and, and it, it, you ever notice that when you walk in model homes, they just smell amazing? Have you ever noticed that? I just, we like have to like intentionally make our house smell like that. And it's expensive. It gets expensive to make it smell like that. But you walk into these model homes and they just smell different. They just smell clean and everything is just amazing. And we walk in and, and we immediately started dreaming about, okay, maybe it's time for us to build another house. And we set up a, a meeting with the builder and before we walked into that meeting, I felt God prompt us to make a list. It is something that we did with a house that we bought down in the Tampa area. We, we made a list. We put it on our refrigerator. On that particular house in Tampa, on that list, uh, knowing that we were, we were buying an, an existing house, we were not building, we were buying a house. Um, and on, on the list, one of the, the major uh, selling points for me on my list was I, I wanted an ice maker that made crushed ice. Yeah, that's where we were at. We couldn't afford to replace a refrigerator. And so whatever house we had, I wanted it to have an ice maker that had crushed ice. And so that was in Tampa. Now we're, we're sitting there with the builder and, and, and I've got a list of things that, that I feel like we want in this house. And pretty much my prayer was walking in. If the list is met, then we will build. If it's not met, then we will walk away. On our list were things like, like this. We wanted crown molding in the living room and in the dining room. And, and we wanted crown molding in the master bedroom. We wanted gutters on, on the back of the house because the house that we were living in, anytime it would rain, water would just pour off the back of the house. And so the model home that we were looking at and we were going to build a very similar model, it had gutters on the back of the house. So we wanted gutters on the back of the house. I know some of you are thinking, well, you could add that. No, I wanted gutters on the back of the house. We wanted hardwood floors. We wanted um, a, a paver a patio with a, with a fire pit. Um, some of the men in the church had helped me build a, a paver patio and fire pit on the back of, of the house that we were living in. And I thought it was only fair that we have a, a, a pavers and a, and a fire pit in, in the backyard. And, and then I wanted a basketball court in the backyard. That was, that was it. I wanted a, not a full court, but a, a good sized court in the backyard. And, um, and, and then we wanted a premium lot. This was on the list of things that we wanted. And, and I pretty much had made up my mind, God, if you give us these things on this list, if he agrees to these things, we're going to build this house. If they're not on this list, then, then we're walking away. During our meeting, I will tell you that some of those things and, and even some of the more high ticket items were met, but not all of them. I could walk away. Mandy could not. I will tell you that that was one of the most heated times in our marriage. Mandy will agree with me. We've had very few finance, our, our, our fights over finances. 
Uh, Mandy and I were both tithers before we went into our marriage, and God has blessed us because, because of that, and we've had very few uh, uh, arguments about finances, and honestly, they've never been about finances. They've always been about disappointments. That's really what it boils down to. And so Mandy was extremely disappointed, but, but I knew in my heart of hearts that, that we should not and could not build at that moment. Long story short, in disappointment, we left that deal on the table. Now, as I told you, I'm not going to finish this story today, but if you know anything about our personal lives, you'll know that um, about a little over three years ago, we built a new house, and we now live in that house. All I'm going to say in, in preparing you for next week is this. If we would have operated out of eagerness, we would have missed out on the deal that God was preparing for us. Every decision that you make, God wants you to be at peace with that. And the only way that you are at peace with that is knowing that you heard from heaven. I'm telling you it is possible to know that you heard from heaven on life's decisions. My sheep know my voice. God wants to speak, but you've got to invite him in to that situation and allow him to speak. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org. Thanks again for listening.